We're going to be in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Then we're going to be in Genesis 18. Then we're going to be in Genesis 21. So you need three fingers tonight, not just two. All right? While you're turning there, Hebrews 11, Genesis 18, and Genesis 21. Some of us need to take notes from Brother Frank. He's got about 14 bookmarks in his Bible. He uses them too. Hebrews 11, Genesis 18, and Genesis 21. By way of review, we've been going down God's Hall of Heroes. We've been looking week by week, person by person. So far, they've all been men. First week, we looked at Abel, the hero of sacrifice. Good. Second, we looked at Enoch, the hero of obedience. Thirdly, we looked at Noah, the hero of Then last week, we looked at Abraham, the hero of Leadership, all right, leadership. Um, and in that subject of leadership, we also talked about ownership and how you cannot be a true leader without taking ownership of things and owning up to things and admitting that uh, usually the leader is at fault and the leader has to take the charge and fixing and remedying the problem. But tonight we're going to be drawing our Hebrew from Hebrews chapter number 11 and verse, well, by review, we'll read in verse number 8. If you'll stand with me. Verse number 8, when you find it. Hebrews 11, verse number 8. Keep them other two fingers over in Genesis. It's one of those, it's kind of like a game of chicken. The moment you pull your finger out of there, I'm going to say, all right, turn to Genesis 18, and you're going to regret it. All right, so keep it right in there. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse number 8. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, with heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Last week we looked at Abraham and we looked at his great leadership. We looked at his great abilities to just simply obey God, to lead those people, to separate out that chosen nation. And a lot of people may ask, how in the world did he do it? How in the world did he accomplish it? How in the world was he able to be a leader and be strong and not falter and not fail? We're about to get the answer in verse number 10, uh, or verse number 11. Through faith also Sarah. Behind every great man of God, behind every great servant of God, behind a great man that God chooses to use, there is a woman, there is a wife, there is somebody there keeping them straight, making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing, making sure that they're uplifted, making sure that they're encouraged. Tonight we're going to look at the hero... Sarah, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your Bible. Thank you for these heroes of the faith. Thank you. Praise the Lord that they're not all men. Father, for if it was all up to men, we'd be in a big old mess. But God, thankful that you gave us the ladies. You gave Adam a helpmeet. You gave each and every one of us someone on this earth, someone special designed for us to be a helpmeet for us, God, and to partner alongside us and to minister alongside us and to be a servant of yours and a child of the King just like us. Father, I pray tonight as we look at Sarah that you help the truths of her life speak to us and help us identify what it is we need to change or we need to tweak or we may just need to get a little bit better at, put a little bit more practice in tonight. And God, above all, I pray that if your Holy Spirit is doing a work in somebody's heart, somebody with doubt, somebody who's struggling with these things, God, I pray that whatever it is they're seeking, whether it be salvation or whether it be surrender, God, I pray that you work in their hearts tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now you can take one of them other fingers and go to Genesis 18. Genesis 18. 
Again, last week we looked at Abraham and all the great things that he did. And we looked at just three little uh, excerpts from his life, three little situations that he got it, uh, that other people got him into pretty much. He never really got himself in much trouble as much as that old feller named Lot uh, kept getting him into trouble. But we saw the leader in Abraham, how he was not the one to point the finger and to point the blame on others, that he was one to take the blame on himself. And we know God did big things with Abraham and we know God had big jobs for Abraham, but God's main purpose for Abraham was to be the father of the nation of Israel. All right, we sing the song in Sunday school, Father Abraham had many sons, many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. And I officially got banned from leading that song during church service because I made too much noise. I got too excited. I got too crazy because you know how you have to do, you got to move your arm. Everybody know what Father Abraham is? All right, well, when Brother Bryce says Father Abraham, he gets into it and he gets so excited and then holes get put in sheetrock and things go downhill fast. And uh, so, but anyway, Father Abraham's main purpose, his main calling was to be the father of the great nation of Israel. And he literally, physically could not do that without his wife. There was no way. It was impossible for him to bear children. And we saw the mistake that Abraham and Sarah made. They, they were called to do this. They were called to be this father of a great nation. And they begin to get frustrated with God's plan because they were willing to go. They were willing to separate themselves out from that their kinsmen, their their place that they had been. They were willing to go and look for this land. They were willing to lead these people. They were willing to protect these people. But the one thing that they got frustrated in was their own inabilities, their own excuses. And for them, for the most part, it was their age. And they felt like they were too old to have kids. And physically, it wasn't going to be a possibility anymore. And they started to ignore the promise of God. They started to ignore the plan of God. And they started to ignore the providence of God. And rather, they started to plan for themselves. We know that Abraham was you know, at wit's end, not really knowing what to do. And here it is, his wife Sarah comes in and says, listen, go into your servant and have a baby with her. And then we get the young man who was named, anybody remember? Ishmael. Ishmael, all right? And from the lineage and descendants of Ishmael, we have the religion, anybody know? Islam. I want to mark it down that the one time they tried to do it man's way, we've been do, dealing with that problem ever since. And, and the, your average Muslim, your average Islamic person you come into contact with, especially if they're a peaceful one, will say, we're all descendants from the same father. Father Abraham was the father of our religion. Father Abraham was the father of our religion too. And a lot of Christians will get tongue-tied and speechless and stand there in awe because they didn't realize that. But it is important to realize that and it is important to understand that. But that was when Abraham and Sarah tried it man's way. That was when Abraham and Sarah ignored the promise of God, ignored the plan of God, and tried to do it their way. They got a young man named Ishmael, and through his lineage, millions upon millions upon millions of Christians have been murdered in that name, and have been assassinated, and have been terrorized in that name of Islam. So, understand very clearly where Abraham and Sarah are at at this point when we dive into chapter number 18 and verse number 9. We see... Abraham now, and he's at home with his dear wife. And angels of the Lord come and visit Abraham in verse number 9. And they said unto him, Where is Sarah, thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee in the time of thy life. And lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abraham and Sarah were old and well stricken and aged, and, ceased to be, and, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. 
All right. Sarah had gone through the physical change in which she was not able to have kids anymore. And these, these angels of God were speaking with Abraham and they specifically asked, where is Sarah? And he says, he's, she's back there in the tent as to say, this is a private conversation with me and you that everything's going to be okay, that you can talk to me. She's back in the tent. What's going on? Why are you here? Why have you come to discuss these things with me? And they say, hey, God's going to make good on His promise. He always makes good on His promise. He always comes through. And Sarah's going to have a child. What Abraham doesn't know, what Abraham doesn't realize is Sarah is sitting right behind him in the tent and she hears this. The Bible says in verse number 11 uh, or verse number 10, it says, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. All right. How many of you ladies have heard this situation. Maybe your husband's on the phone with his boss or your husband's on the phone with his pastor or your husband's on the phone with one of his friends and there's big news to be shared. There's a big plan taking place and your husband is sharing, the, hearing this burden. Your husband is hearing these things. Maybe your husband's in his own prayer closet and he's praying and asking God for big things and the wife, Sarah, now is in the background and she simply just hears this plan, all right, that she was not... In Abraham's eyes, supposed to hear yet. Abraham, I'm sure, was going to come right away and say, Honey, I've got some news I want to communicate with you. I want to tell you right away. How many of you are just like me and you're really good at communicating, husbands? No one? No, we don't know. We don't understand that. I would truly believe that God knew Sarah was going to hear this. God knew Sarah was going to hear this plan. He wanted Sarah to hear this plan. If God didn't want Sarah to hear these words, Sarah wouldn't have heard these words. So we know that Sarah hears this plan. And we see in verse number 12, it says, Therefore, Sarah, what she do? Laughed within herself, saying, For after I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Look where he points the attention back. See, Sarah's in the, in the house. Abraham's outside the door. And Sarah's in there giggling at God's plans. Sarah's in there going, what's God think he's going to do with me? How in the world is this going to work out? How in the world are we going to have... He's old. I'm old. This is hilarious. There is no way. Look how serious God takes this. In verse number 13, And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh? How many of you husbands been right here? How many of your husbands have been right here where God said, why is your wife doing that? And you're, what do you mean? She heard? She knows? Yeah, I told you to communicate. I told you to share. And I told you to have faith, Abraham. I promised you a seed, Abraham. I promised you were going to be the father of a great nation, Abraham. And you failed to communicate that to your wife. You failed to believe in it. Now your wife doesn't believe in it. Why is she laughing, Abraham? How many of you been right there, husbands? You knucklehead. God gave you a plan. God gave you a purpose. God called you for a reason. But you didn't think it important enough to share the burden with your wife. And now he's calling Abraham out here. All right. This is free, ladies. All right. This is what I didn't get to on Mother's Day. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of a surety bear child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Anybody want to answer that question? Nope. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Then Sarah denied. Here she is, ladies. Then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, Nay, but thou didst laugh. Look at the bluntness of this conversation, okay? Look at the, the straight up, I mean, God has no choice but to be honest, He's holy, all right? Why did you laugh, Sarah? I didn't laugh. Yes, you did laugh. All right. 
A lot of times we think, and we think like Sarah did here, is we can hide and we can cover up our emotions. And God, I wasn't laughing at you. I wasn't laughing at you per se. I wasn't. But it's crazy, and we try to explain ourselves away, and we try to make excuses. And God's looking at us, going, "I know your heart. I know your mind." I know what you thought before you thought. I knew what you were going to think before you even woke up this morning. I knew what you were going to do. Why do you try to play these games with me, Sarah? And she's, all right. Parents in the room, you know exactly where God's standing here. Because I can look at Addie and I can say, Addie, did you do A, B, and C that I told you not to do? No, I didn't do that. But I watched you do it, Addie. I know you did it. No, I didn't. All right, some of you have been around Daddy. You know her logic. She can explain her way, way out about anything. But that's how God looks at us going, I know you're lying. Now watch what happens in Sarah's life in a few months. Go over to verse, or chapter number 21. This is where we're going to draw the attribute. This is where we're going to draw the trait. And the Lord, chapter number 21, verse number 1. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him, whom Sarah bare to him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac, being eight days old, as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, read these words with me, God hath made me to... Whoa, God had made her to do what? Here she is laughing again. You see, but the first time, it was a laugh of pride. It was a laugh of, yeah, right, God. It was a laugh of, I don't believe you. It was a laugh of, is this a joke? But now we see in verse number 6 and says, And Sarah said, God, who was instigating the action, God hath made me to laugh. All right, you know what Jesus, God was saying here? Who's laughing now? Who's laughing now, Sarah? God hath made me to laugh, so that all that will hear will laugh with me. Now, there's two types of laughter we've just seen. We've seen a laughter of pride, of ignorance, of unbelief. And now we've seen this laugh of pure joy, of pure overwhelming elation of happiness, okay, in her life. This is what Sarah wanted. As a wife, this was the only thing she felt that she was lacking. As a mission, as a couple, the only thing she needed to bring to the table for Abraham was to bear him a son so that they could be the father of this great nation. And she had been unable to do it. She thought she, up until this point she was a complete and total failure. And here's little baby Isaac. Abraham's done circumcised him. He's rocking him. He's uh, <clears throat> maybe talking about all the big plans he has for baby Isaac. And Sarah's looking at this scene and she says, God hath made me to laugh. How many of you have been so overjoyed that you're laughing, that you just can't believe it? You're laughing not out of humor, but out of just pure, pure, pure joy. That joy only comes from the trait we're going to talk about tonight, gratitude. Gratitude. Because what Sarah was experiencing here 
was overwhelming. Cup runneth over. A little bit runneth over down to the saucer. All the way around the plate. Running off the edge of the dinner table. Gratitude. Gratitude. Sarah, the hero of gratitude. Do you understand this thing of gratitude? Again, I have to reel back and explain. When I was starting this series, it was because... I began as a young youth pastor to get frustrated with the teenagers' lack of respect and the lack of gratitude and the lack of leadership and the lack of obedience and the lack of all these different traits that we've been talking about. And God simply smote my heart and said, they can't, you can't expect gratitude from them. You can't expect, they don't even know what it is. They can't even define it. They don't even know what the term gratitude means. It has been lost in Generation, It has been lost in the school systems. It has been lost in the classrooms. It's been lost in the homes. It's been lost because the father-son relationship is no longer there. Because the mother-son or the mother-daughter is no longer there. Those relationships have been broken. Those relationships have been burned down. They don't understand these attributes. But they're still in your Bible. You still have a responsibility to look for them. You still, as a young Christian, have a responsibility to seek those things, to seek that instruction, and to apply it so that you may make disciples, so that you may teach others also. So when we speak of gratitude tonight, I don't want to maybe get drawn into the, the, the teasing of listing a thousand things to be thankful for, even though we absolutely could list a thousand. We could list two thousand. We could list three thousand. We live in a country where we're blessed to still be able to come do this. We hit the lottery the moment we became citizens of the United States, the moment we were born into this country. If we thank God for nothing else is that we didn't end up in some slum in Africa. We didn't end up in some pagan tribe out in the jungle somewhere. We didn't end up in the Siberian wilderness of Russia. We didn't end up in all these crazy different places. We didn't end up in the communist dictatorships. We didn't end up in any of these places, but we were born in America. That's just one thing we could be thankful for. But Sarah's gratitude was a lot deeper than that. Sarah's gratitude was a lot bigger than that. Number one, she was grateful, A, simply that God's will had been done. Simply that God's will had been done. Christians, 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 we have to understand this. This is something that is so simple, but it's something that is so quickly overlooked. Is that regardless, regardless, Regardless of what Satan tries to do, regardless of what the devil tries to plant, regardless of what politics tries to do, regardless of what Facebook tries to do, regardless of what Twitter tries to do, regardless of what our enemies try to do, regardless of what the Muslims try to do, regardless of what the Jews tried to do, regardless of what they tried to do or they tried to do or they tried to do, regardless of anything this world has to offer, regardless of any pain, of any disease, of any burdens, of any strife, regardless of any of these things, God's will will be done. We can be grateful for that. We can be thankful in Psalms 31. That was our devotion last night in college and career. David cried out and he said, My times are in thine hand. Psalm 31, 15. He said, My times are in thy hand. What David said there was, God, you are in control. God, you are in the driver's seat. God, you are on the throne. We should absolutely pray for the White House, but we shouldn't get so caught up in the White House that we forget who's sitting in the throne room. Amen? We shouldn't get so caught up on the media and this side versus that side that we forget who's the God of all, who's the God of all creation, who spoke this world into existence, and understand that as a Christian, you have an utmost responsibility to your Lord and to your Savior to be grateful like Sarah was, simply that God's plan 
will be done. That we can go to the last page and we can see the end of the book. That we know we're on the winning side. That we know who's coming to take us home. That we know who's going to be cast into the bottomless pit of hellfire and brimstone forever. That we know that Satan's day will come. That the tempter's day will come. And there will come a day where there will be no more sorrow. There will be no more pain. There will be no more anguish. There will be no more hurting. There will be no more death. There will be no more division. There will be no more parting. Why? Because God's will will be done. Are you grateful that His will will simply be done. God's will is very hard. Very hard. That's what I just did. That's easy preaching. Hard living. Hard living. Hard day to day when you're simply just trying to be thankful for His will being done. Because in the pages of God's will, there's people who have great joy, but there's people who have great suffering. In the pages of God's will, there's people that have great victory, but there's people that have great defeat. But they're all one page of a story that was written from eternity past to eternity future. And if every page was victory, if every page was joy, if every page was uplifting, if everything all the time was good, we wouldn't look for anything else, would we? We wouldn't look for anything better, would we? But in the pages of God's will, you have to understand there is joy, there is victory, there is the fact that He will overcome, but there's also pages of great suffering. There's also pages of great depression. There's also loss of family. There's also loss of loved ones. There's also loss of those dearest to us, those closest to us. There's also paths that we don't understand. But we simply, like Sarah, can be grateful in the fact that regardless of our attitude on the matter... That regardless of our input on the matter, we saw Sarah's attitude. She was giggling. She was laughing, saying, yeah, right, God. There's no way. Do you see how old he is? Let alone how old I am. There's no way. If God's called your husband to do something, ladies, cheer him on. Don't beat him up. Don't say, God, are you kidding me? Look at him. And then even worse, don't beat yourself up, ladies. Look at me, God. No, she was grateful that regardless of her attitude towards the situation, his will got done. Number two, she was grateful that God, it gets better, used her to accomplish his will. Do you see what's just taking place here? God had every right to say, okay, Abraham, this young lady doesn't believe in me. Here's what we're going to do, Abraham. We're going to wait for her to die, and you find you another wife. You marry her. And then I'll give my seed through that. Because I promised Abraham that you would be the father of many nations. But you done tried with somebody that was not your wife, Abraham. That's man's way. But Abraham, since she didn't believe, since she didn't have faith, since she didn't want to be a part of my plan, since she didn't want to be a part of my purpose, I'm going to let her pass off the scene. I'm speaking totally hypothetically here. Nowhere in your Bible does it say this. But we got to look for things that might have been that may God maybe could have done if he wanted to. God gets sovereign. He can do anything. He, could, he, said, he could have said, Sarah, you don't believe in me? Fine. You're right. You are old, Sarah. I'll wait for you to be out of the way. And then I'll give Abraham a son through his next wife. But no, that's not what God did. God heard that giggling. God heard that pride. God heard that sin in Sarah's life. And he said, okay. But guess what? I'm going to use you anyway. I'm going to use your life anyway. How many of you are thankful tonight that God didn't look 
at your sin and disqualify you from Him being able to use you. How many of you are thankful tonight that God didn't look at things that you failed on in your life, areas of pride in your life, and go, yep, nope, I can't use them. They got this problem or they got that problem because if God did that and God was that God and that kind of God, then none of us would be qualified to be doing anything for His kingdom. None of us would be qualified to do anything for His gospel. And that's the beauty of the matter is that not a single one of us is qualified, but God makes the conscious decision as a holy creator to choose to let us get involved in His will. To choose to allow us to go and witness and see souls saved. To choose to allow us to be a light in our communities. To choose to allow us to spread the gospel with our friends. To spread the gospel. He chooses to allow us to do that. And many of us even run from it, let alone be grateful for it. He could set us on the bench and never touch us again. We preached on a few weeks ago the danger of holding back. He could put you on the bench because you refuse to surrender. Because you refuse to give Him your all. He could say, okay, you, you don't want to serve me? Don't. Sit there. And you'll miss out on all the blessings I had in store for you. But Sarah's gratitude here stemmed from the pure gratefulness, the pure joy that God still chose to use her anyway. Because there in that moment, as she's holding that little baby boy, she started to realize, I almost lost this. I almost lost this. My attitude almost caused me to miss out on this little Isaac. My attitude almost caused me to miss out on this little baby boy. My pride and my giggling almost cost me the, to be the mother of a son that would bring the lineage of a great nation. Isaac would be the one that would start and take it farther than Abraham ever did and to have more sons and then his sons would have sons and his sons would have sons. But Sarah got to be a part of that. Sarah got to be the lineage of not only these people of Israel, but she got to be the great, 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 however many you want to count, grandmother of Jesus Christ Himself. Not because of her, but because God chose to allow her to be a part of it. Do you realize that God is choosing, actively choosing to allow Anchor of Hope to be part of His ministry? If He wasn't, we'd be gone. If he wasn't, this church would be no more. But it is. And that is only because God is allowing us to be here. God is allowing us to name his name. God is allowing us to preach his word. God is allowing us to spread. Are we even grateful for it? Or do we even express that gratitude? I, I wasn't until I went on the mission field as a young man coming to this place. Oh, I have to come to church. I have to go to that building. I have to sit by my mom and be still. But when you go on the mission field and it's time to go to church and they gather under a tin roof, maybe, and there's livestock on both sides of you and there's flies, looks like I-75 and 153 and the 24 split down there of insects just crossing through the sanctuary. And you got stuff crawling all over you and the preacher's up there just preaching, filled with the Holy Ghost and trying to give you a message and trying to help you. And you're sitting there with creepy crawlies all over you. You're sitting there sweating to death. You're sitting there hot and nasty. And you got so-and-so over here and he can't figure out how to work the shower in his room and he may not smell so nice. And you got so-and-so over there like me that can't sit still and can't stay focused and they're looking at everything. And, and you take stuff for granted very quickly in this nation. You take stuff for granted very quickly in this nation. 
And one example, I got back from Nicaragua the first time and I had just seen my little eyes were just exploded wide open to how everything's not as great as it is right here in Rossville, Georgia. That somewhere in the world that people will stab you for a pair of flip-flops. Here, we fill buggy loads up with them at Old Navy when they go on sale for a dollar. Down there, somebody will kill you for them. Somebody will kill you for your shoes because of how poor they are. Because of how dark that place is. And I came back from a country like that and I came back from just having my eyes open and God set a fire to reach those people but also realize there's people like that just here in Rossville, Georgia. We just do a better job at covering it up. We just do a better job at hiding it. We do a better job at defaxing it and policing it and keeping it hidden and keeping it under the radar and not letting anybody know what's going on. We know that there's people and there's kids like that right here in these neighborhoods and I'm fired up. I'm ready to get on a bus. I'm ready to drive. I'm ready to go see. And we get back to the Atlanta airport and I look up at the TV and here we are. At that time, a few years ago, it was the first time that couple was suing the bakery because he wouldn't make them a cake for their abominable wedding. And I'm sitting there looking at it and I'm going, this is what we're fighting about. Cake. There's people starving to death, not just in Nicaragua, here in Rossville, Georgia. There's people that the only time they get to eat is at school. That's why when this pandemic happened, they had to launch these meal plans and send these meals into communities because there's people in our communities right here that cannot feed their children, that don't have enough money, that don't make the income. And our school systems had to step up to the plate and send those meals into these communities and send those meals into these apartments and these parks and these housing units and all these things. And all these people are hurting and all these people need Jesus and all these people need to get their parents parents off drugs and need to get people back to work. And here we are, ungrateful for what we have. And that's right here in Rossville, Georgia. If Christians got grateful again, there'd be a lot less to argue about. There'd be a lot less to fuss about if we just simply be grateful for what we have. And that He allows us to be a part of it. That He allows us to have the ability to get on the bus. I have a buddy, another buddy of mine was at the uh, gathering last night, the devotion, and he said, hey, we're, we're looking at starting a business. Could, could we buy that bus? I said, not in a million years. I said, he said, why? I said, because we just got that bus and we love that bus. And that bus is something we fill up with kids. That bus is something we use. That is the most valuable tool on this property next to our Bibles. That bus ain't going nowhere. Now, if we get a better bus and we want to sell that bus, that's something different. But you can't have my bus. That's my bus. I use that bus and I go pick up Jessa. And I go pick up Thomas. And I go pick up Peyton. And I go pick up Tucker. And I go pick up these little ones. I go pick up the little Addies. Not my daughter, but the other one. I go pick up all these little children. Jim Bob goes and he picks up Bentley. And he goes and he picks up Bubba. And they pick up... Miley. And they bring them back. Do you realize that God allows us to do that? That He trusts you and He trusts me enough to take His precious little babies and put them on a bus and bring them and get them a hot dog? <clears throat> Give them four hot dogs. Give them 40 hot dogs. However much it takes for that stomach to quiet down and them ears to open up to the gospel. Grateful that she, that she was simply allowed to be a part of what God was doing. Lastly, she was grateful that God forgave her lack of faith. And this is where the rubber meets the road. 
Because if you and I live in this country, I'll say we are spoiled brats. Starting right here. Starting right here. I am a spoiled brat. Compared. <laughs> I always can count on Brother Larry. I can always count on Brother Larry. Love you, Brother Larry. Spoiled brats. And we get all bent out of shape when the light won't turn green and we think we're going to be late for work. We get all bent out of shape when they don't put enough sugar and spice and things nice in our coffee at Starbucks. We can absolutely have our entire day ruined because somebody didn't like our status. We can have our whole world shot down because somebody didn't text us back or return our call. Where's the faith and understanding that God's will is going to be done, that He's choosing you and your neighborhood, your workplace, your avenue, where you walk every day, where you eat every day, where you spend your time, where your family goes, where your family stays, your family dinner table, your living room, the ministry you have there, the ministry you have to your wife, the ministry you have to your husband. Where's the gratitude for that? If there was gratitude for that and there was gratefulness for that, you'd miss all this other baloney. This wouldn't even enter you. You wouldn't notice it. You wouldn't even care. Why? Because you'd be focused on the goodness of God. You'd be focused on how blessed you really are. You'd be focused on the things that He's allowing you to do. He'd be, you'd be focused on the wife that He blessed you to have, the husband He blessed you to have, the kids He blessed you to have, the fact that you're young, the fact that you're old, the fact that you're this or you're that or you're other, the fact that God is allowing you to take another breath despite you and despite me and despite how we act and despite how we get out of been out of shape. Look at this and I'll close. God looked down at Sarah and he said, you know what? You're missing it. You're not understanding it. You're not getting it. I'm still going to give you my, my son. I'm still going to give you Isaac. And when you get a hold of Isaac, you're going to realize what just took place. When that babe comes down and comes into your life, you'll get it. When I give you the son that I promised I would send. Are you getting it yet? When I give you the son that I promised you I was going to send you, you'll get it. When I give you the young man, when I give you this baby, when I send this baby and through miraculous circumstance, through no merit of your own, through nothing that you could do, through nothing that you could understand, when I send this gift to you, Sarah, then you will be grateful. Then we'll see who's laughing. Then you'll understand the joy that comes when God's will is accomplished. And when He looks down at you, and when He looks down at me, and He sees a heart of ungratefulness, He says, have you not met my son? Have you not met Jesus? Have you not understood your sin that He took upon Himself on the cross? The moment we begin to be ungrateful, that's what God's just like He looked at Sarah. Have you not, have you not met the babe that was lying in swaddling clothes in the manger? Have you not met my son who knew no sin but became sin for you? Have you not met my son that took all shame and all reproach and the chastisement of our peace was upon Him. Have you not met Him? That's all we need to be grateful for. Christ and Christ alone. Gratitude. Gratitude, gratitude, gratitude. The poor teenagers, I spent about four more hours in this message. I had to run a special bus route to get them home.
because that young generation really don't understand gratitude. But I'm afraid, me included, a lot of Christians, we're losing grip on it. We're losing an understanding of truly. If we're acting, if we have an attitude of gratitude, all this little petty riffraff and chit-chat and arguments and fussing and fighting would stop if we just realized what we have to be thankful for. If we just realized we got the gift of God's Son when we didn't, re- when we didn't deserve it, when we didn't believe in it, when we, didn't even, we weren't even looking for Him. He said, here he is. Here he is. Gratitude. Father, thank you so much for Sarah. Thank you so much for Abraham. God, thank you for sending Isaac to that little family. God, thank you for showing us that even here, Isaac is a perfect picture of Christ, is a perfect picture of the lamb that you sent. The son that no one was looking for. The son that we didn't believe was coming. The son that we would have no belief that could forgive us and to come into our lives and to be the father of our church and to be the father of our family and be the father of our life and to be the savior who we needed him to be. But God, you sent him anyway. You helped him to endure the, the despise and the shame and go all the way to the cross of Calvary and take the nails and take the thorns and take the lashing and take the beating and to lay his life down for mine and, and every creature under this earth. Father, everyone that has the ability to call upon you for repentance. God, everyone that understands their sin. God, everyone that understands that there's a God in heaven who loves them. God, I pray that as your church, as your people, as your ones that are following you and naming the name of Christ, help us to understand this area of gratitude. Help us look at Sarah's life and understand just how grateful she was, just how thankful she was that despite her, despite her attitude, despite her pride, you allowed her to be part of your will and you allowed her to accomplish your will. But Father, you allowed that despite her, despite her sin, despite her pride. Help us to get a hold of that. Help us to be grateful in the days ahead. We ask you these things and be a blessing to us and give us traveling mercies as we go and bring us back to your house on Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 We'll see you all Sunday morning, 1030 sharp. Y'all be here and be ready to worship.